0: You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Evil minds that plot destruction, sorcerer of Death construction, in the fields of bodies burning. Machine keeps turning. Death and hatred to mankind. Poisoning their brainwash minds. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the national community radio satellite. Listen to the Anarchist This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national international events. This analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia via the courtesy of the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au, but... If your community radio station receives the anarchist will this week, sometime during the week, it's streaming. Okay, so it's 3cr.org.au. My name is Joseph Toscana. I'm telling you what anarchist is all about. Anarchos without rulers. What gives rulers the ability to determine your pathetic little lives and my pathetic little lives? Inequalities in power and wealth. So what is the anarchist struggle? The anarchist struggle is to share power, devolve power, possibly through direct democratic means and holding wealth in common and using for the common good. Simple concepts, but exceptionally radical concepts in a 21st century society where Mammon is the only God worth worshipping. Now, let's move on. Now, first of all, I'd like to extend my best wishes to a... um, a regular listener to the Anarchist World this week and a regular supporter of many of the activities that the Anarchist World this week organises around Victoria and sometimes interstate. And uh, he's a great supporter of community radio station 3CR, which is the radio station that actually produces the Anarchist World this week. And then it goes out to the community radio network for the rest of Australia. Now, John Barraclough may be known to you. He was a dapper little man, a pharmacist, recently retired. No, he's not dead, you can relax. He was recently retired. Unfortunately, about two months after his retirement, he's just had a major stroke. He's survived the stroke and he's currently in rehabilitation. So I'll keep you up to date with John. So uh, if you want to send him um, cards or messages of support, and I understand a friend's trying to smuggle in a radio to him so he can listen to 3CR. If you send them to myself, courtesy of uh, 3CR, I'll uh, make sure they're passed on. Uh, so if you send them to Joseph Toscana, Kira 3CR, 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy, and just put the name John Barraclough on the back, or John and I, obviously I won't open the cards, I'll send them on. So uh, all the best, John. Uh, he was a great tennis player. And a great cyclist, so hopefully, hopefully at the end of all this he'll be able to return to some type of uh, activity. It was a major stroke and uh, unfortunately John lived alone and it was four days before he was found, but uh, he's doing very well, I've been told at the minute. Now obviously with all restrictions due to COVID-19 regarding hospital visitations, uh, it's uh, very difficult, so I'm not going to give out the details regarding the hospital he's in, but if you send me out, send me some cards and stuff, I'll pass them on. So just send them to Joseph Toscano, care of 3CR, 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy. i will get stuck in my pigeonhole. Just put the word John somewhere on the envelope, and I'll know they're for him, and uh, obviously I'll pass them on unopened. Now, I'm really excited now, Mr Josh Frydenberg, our Treasurer and Federal Member for Kuyong here in Victoria, Blue Ribbon Liberal seat, was lecturing the Chinese about Australian core values. Australian core values. What are our core values? And I was all ears I was so excited to learn about Australian core values. And I thought Josh, the treasurer, was going to talk about Mammon, the only God that we worship in Australia in the 21st century, you know, increasing profits irrespective of the human, social, environmental costs. No, he didn't mention that pillar. He mentioned things like free enterprise. What he meant was corporate enterprise. He didn't mention anything about us being an egalitarian, or oh, he did kind of. He kind of gave us the inclination that we may be an egalitarian society that follows the rule of law. I'm thinking to myself, Josh, you're such a bright little boy, such a bright treasurer. The rule of law in a country that is a constitution which has no protection for the individual from the arbitrary exercise of state power, which has no individual rights. Really, Josh, the rule of law is the laws which the federal parliament is able to pass because of the parliamentary majority. And when it comes to the rule of law, as you know, if your name is Mr Clive Palmer and you've got billions of dollars behind you, You can fiddle with the court system in such a way as you never appear in court, but if you go out there and shoplift something, woe be you, you horrible criminal. Then I thought, so what are these core values? I know the fact that we've acknowledged that the colonisation process in this country was a brutal affair, which has led to continuing issues as far as Indigenous and non-Indigenous Australians are concerned, that we resolve that problem? Well, no, you can't resolve a problem if you don't acknowledge it. So that was the core value. And then I thought, I know, I know, Josh is going to talk about the 20th of January, the day that uh, Tana Minowai and Hina were hung in Melbourne in 1842 for the dastardly crime of resisting white colonisation. And I thought, wow, he's going to announce that the 20th of January is going to be a public holiday and it's going to be recognised as National Indigenous Freedom Fighters Day. No, didn't happen. Well, obviously, you know, this was terra nullius, wasn't it? And then I thought, well, he's going to talk about the human rights of all those refugees and asylum seekers. No, he didn't mention that. And then he's going to talk about freedom of speech. You know, we have freedom of speech in Australia. Of course we've got freedom of speech in Australia as long as we're not effective. But again, constitutionally you have no freedom of speech. The High Court in its wisdom found that we had an implied right to freedom of speech which only existed during a federal election campaign. Could you imagine that? Core values. Oh, I don't know. I think, look, I think these are the core values of Australian society. One, make a buck. Make it buck at other people's expense. Two, try to rip off your workers if they're working for you, to making a buck for you as much as possible, you know? Three, outlaw association. Outlaw the trade union movement. Make their job impossible by passing so much legislation they can't even cough With a mask, let alone without a mask. Okay, What's another core value? Let's brutalise refugees and asylum seekers for the audacity of seeking asylum, you know? No criminal behaviour, but as far as we're concerned, they're beyond the pale. As far as Indigenous Australians are concerned, isn't it about time they just, you know, stopped whinging and got on with it? I'm sure if, uh, you know, our lands were taken from us... We weren't allowed to speak our languages. Our children were whisked away in the middle of the night. That we'd be all forgiving to the conquerors, wouldn't we? Yep. And we celebrated our national day on the day that this dispossession occurred. We'd all be happy, wouldn't we? I'm sure you'd be happy and I'd be happy. So, so what a load of garbage. Australia does not have any real core Values that are protected in legislation. The more assets you have, the more power you're able to exercise. No wonder in the 21st century, in this resource rich country, we have almost a million children living in poverty and one third of the population having to scrape along on some type of social security benefit where they're treated as potential criminals while. Corporations whose profits double and triple during the COVID nineteen pandemic get a handout of thirteen billion well, I call it an electoral bribe of thirteen billion dollars and not not expected to pay it back. So, Josh, all I can say is, mate, get a history book, learn about Australian history, look at the legislation you've passed. Look at the legislation you've got in tail and when you compare us to the Chinese Communist Party, maybe we have a lot more in common than you think. And just let's not forget last week's major um, issue on the program about the fact that they're trying to ostracise any political opposition by increasing membership rates from 500 to 1,500 to register a political party, and they have changing the Electoral Act to make it almost impossible for independence to mount a campaign. Well, then maybe, maybe the Australian government, has it taught the apartheid government in, in uh, South Africa how to implement apartheid, because we had it here in Australia before they ever did, maybe the Australian government should actually... Open up discussions with the Chinese government about the best way to uh, get rid of any opposition. That's it. So, Josh, out of ten, I'll give you point one as far as core values are concerned. And when you can come up with a better number of figures, let me know. Let's move on. Now... I hate to say this, but the rest, West Papua and Rent Collective, it's on its knees and has been the convener of the West Papua and Rent Collective, I'm on my knees, because obviously the West Papuan struggle has not finished. It's still going on, COVID-19 or no COVID-19. And when the office was opened here in Docklands, almost uh, almost seven years ago, the office became a focus for International Organisation for West Papuan Independence. Now, the office is based on the very simple concept of people like you and me donating to pay the rent. Paying the rent allows West Papuan activists, who are mainly refugees and asylum seekers in basically poorly paid jobs to continue that independence struggle in an office which can act as a de facto embassy in this country and it allows them to coordinate activities not just in Australia but overseas as far as West Papuan independence is concerned. So let's not forget that when you talk about genocide, let's not forget that over half a million West Papuans have died in the last 60 years, in this war of independence. And when you realise there's only a million West Papuans living in West Papua, you begin to understand the scale of the price that West Papuans have paid. And then when you look at the map, West Papua is less than 75 kilometres from Australia. And when you look at the attitude of both the Australian government and the Labour opposition, as far as appeasing Indonesia is concerned, regarding West Papua, it's abhorrent. Not only do we appease them, we also train their troops here in Australia, their special troops, their special forces, same people who made us proud in Afghanistan, the same forces, they train them and send them back into West Papua to conduct... Operations against West Papuans, both in the urban centres and up in the countryside, who are in, still involved in an armed resistance against the West Pap against Indonesian occupation sixty years after it occurred. So, look, I make no bones about the fact that if we don't get new members to the West Papuan Rent Collective in the next few weeks. That the West Parkland office, and I know I keep saying this, has a very good chance of closing down within the next six months. So I'm giving you a lot of forewarning. Now you don't have to sign up to any papers. You can do it anonymously, but you can join the West Parkland Rent Collective, and it's a dollar a day. You can pay every month. You can pay every year. You can pay every three months, but it's a dollar a day, which is less than a third of a cup of coffee if you buy it somewhere. But if you buy it one of those cheap places, actually maybe a cup of terrible coffee. So, look, it's worth the effort. Now, the funny thing about the West Parkwood Rent Collective, most of the people in the West Parkwood Rent Collective are not rich people. They are not people with jobs. Most of them are pensioners people who've decided they need to do something positive at the end of their lives. And the great thing about being part of the WENT Collective is we don't tell the West Papuans how to run their office. We don't tell them what their policies should be. We pay the rent. And by us paying the rent, it protects them from both Australian authorities and Indonesian authorities because they can't be accused of running the office. We pay the rent. So if you want to join the West Papua and Rent Collective, and I encourage you to do so, there's a number of ways to do it. The easiest way is to give me a call on 0439 Leave a message and I'll get back to you and I'll send you out the material on how to donate via branch of the Commonwealth Bank. Or you can always email me at Info at PIBCI, P-I-B-C-I dot net. Now, normally we have three summits a year at the West Papuan office in order to generate interest in the movement and in the office and in the rent Collective. Unfortunately, over the last 18 months, most of the uh, summits have had to be cancelled because of COVID-19 restrictions. This makes it even more difficult to get members into the Rent Collective. It made it very difficult currently, and that's why we find ourselves in this situation. Now, because we're not a business, you don't get a rent reduction from the government. It's that simple. I mean, the West Papua Rent Collective has looked at all this. There's no way. So we are, you either pay the rent or you move out. Now, on Sunday, the 19th of September, at 2 p.m., the West Papua Summit will, cont- will go ahead via a Zoom meeting. So if you want to register for the Zoom meeting, go to com or lowercase forward slash then uppercase B-T-C-C-Z. I'll repeat the registration uh, details again. It's www.trybooking.com lowercase forward slash uppercase B T C C Z. I mean, by donating to the West Papua office, you become actively involved in the West Papua independence movement. And considering that West Papua is one of the last colonies remaining on planet Earth, and considering they have been fighting this fight for over 60 years, and they continue to control parts of West Papua, despite the Australian-trained Indonesian military, which is deployed against them, I think this is an extraordinary uh, effort. And for us to ignore this struggle during the COVID-19 pandemic, which they are dealing with. And the information that's coming out of West Papua is the uh, Indonesians that live in West Papua, and about half the population is now Indonesian, are getting COVID-19 injections, vaccinations, but the West Papuans themselves are having a great deal of difficulty accessing vaccination, which means more West Papuans will die Unnecessarily as part of this uh, covert warfare. So, if you want to learn more about the the topic on the day, it's uh, Greg Polgrave. I interviewed Dr. Greg Polgrave last week on Radical Australia. If you go to 3CR.org.au, you can look up Radical Australia and listen to the interview. It was JFK versus Alan Dulles and uh, Battleground Indonesia. Ex- exceptionally interesting book and he'll be talking at the Zoom meeting. Now, I'll be saying a few words at the Zoom meeting. Yes, the 21st century Luddite will be in, in the Zoom meeting, but I'll be talking about the West Park Point Rent Collective and the need for it to continue functioning. Let's move on. The Taliban. This is what I love about Australia, the Taliban, right? Now, I'm a bit amazed. Look, I know the Taliban, nasty piece of work, Okay. Nasty piece of work. Now, there are a lot of governments in the world that are nasty pieces of work and uh, I could list them off and it'll take me all all, the whole hour to list them all. But I I can't stand the hypocrisy. Everybody talks about women and girls and how the Taliban are going to restrict their movements and restrict their abilities and they're going to introduce... They've now got a minister for vice and virtue, which uh, which a lot of uh, Islamic theocracies have which tell you how to dress, they whip you if you don't do the right thing. But, look, the same thing has been happening with our major ally, the Saudi feudal monarchs which rule the Arabian Peninsula. They are involved in policies, they enact policies which make the Taliban look like, you know, kindergarten kids as far as oppression is concerned. And they're our allies. And we never say anything officially about the House of Saudi that rules the Arabian Peninsula, those feudal monarchs, a country where you have public ex-beheadings, yes, where women's and girls' rights are Non existent? Where opponents are liquefied in foreign embassies? It goes on and on. But they're our allies. They're helping us in Yemen, aren't they? Fighting the Iranians. So we never say anything in the last, since the Second World War, regarding the disgusting attitudes and activities and legislation that the house of saudi has imposed on the arabian peninsula just a few months ago a young 15 year old who's now i think was about 22 who was involved in protest who was a shi'a muslim which is the minority in the house of saudi's arabian peninsula was executed 6 years later publicly executed one of the greatest and most important shi'a Mullahs in Saudi Arabia recently executed in the last two years. Opponents liquefied, as I said, in foreign embassies. Women's rights non-existent. The list goes on and on. It's all very well railing about the Taliban attempting to impose their Islamic fundamentalist theological interpretations in the Quran on the people of Afghan at the point of a gun. It's another thing, isn't it, criticising the House of Saudi. It's another thing, criticising the House of Saudi. And on this program, we've continued to criticise the House of Saudi. And don't forget, we have an embassy in this country for the House of Saudi. We have a major trading relationship and every time I hear the Josh Frydenbergs of the world talk about Australian core values, you know, about protecting individual rights while almost, while banning strikes in this country except outside a enterprise bargaining agreement period, it just goes on and on, talking about the rights of Uyghurs in China, but fully supporting the repressive policies and legislative agenda of a feudal monarchy which was imposed on the Arabian Peninsula to ensure the West had continuous oil supplies, you begin to understand the total hypocrisy of the criticisms that are leveled at the Taliban. Now, I've got no support whatsoever for the Taliban. It is a nasty Islamic, fundamentalist, theological dictatorship. End of story, as far as I'm concerned. But the same adjectives, the same words can be used and directed at many of the Middle Eastern feudal monarchies which are supposedly on the west side you listen to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the community radio network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. My name is Joseph Tuscaro. I'm hosting today's program. Some interesting websites. Well, the YouTube channel, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest, I attempt to do a little YouTube presentation every week. No, not the usual three-minute bullshit but 20 minutes, and uh, it's fascinating how little interest there is in it, but that's that's YouTube for you. If I took my clothes off and stood in my head, maybe i get a thousand views, who knows, but that's not going to happen. You know why it's not going to happen? Because I can't stand on my head. All right, let's move on. Now, everybody is kind of Saying to me over the last week or two, well, that's the end of Pipsy, isn't it? That's the end of public interest before corporate interest. You've been outfoxed by the Morrison Coalition. You've been outfoxed by their legislative agenda to ensure that the next state election will only be a handful of uh, political parties that people will be able to choose from. You know, you've been outfoxed. Well, it ain't over yet. It ain't over yet. Obviously, we've now changed our direction temporarily. Obviously we are still looking for new members for public interest before corporate interest and if you're particularly annoyed at what's happening on the planet today and especially in Australia, I encourage you to join public interest before corporate interest. We're not just an electoral base party. We're also involved in direct action. So think about joining public interest before corporate interest. Now, fortunately, currently, and the legislation may change, we only need 500 members on the electoral roll in Victoria in order to register as a Victorian-based party. We looked at our membership list recently and we have 422 members in Victoria who are parts of public interest before corporate interest. The Victorian state election will not be occurring till late November 2022. That gives us at least six to eight months in order to find 100 new members which is not an impossible task in Victoria because once again when it comes to electoral politics if you're not in the game they don't care they don't care if you don't vote they don't care if you vote informal they don't care if you vote for a minor party because ultimately you know the votes go to them but they do care they do care if you've got enfant terribles on the ballot paper. They do care if you give them a hard time during the electoral cycle. They care a lot because what it does, it actually highlights the total inadequacies of parliamentary democracy, which ultimately is two minutes of illusory power. So as a tactic it is a good tactic by which to challenge the concept that we live in a so-called democratic society. Now, you can vote tool, the cows come home, but unless you're on that ballot paper, you don't have the ability to cause maximum problems for the major political parties. Because anything else... Has been legislated away. You can't go within 500 metres of an electoral booth. And it goes on and on. There's all this legislation to protect their little game. But if you're on that ballot paper, you have a chance of raising different ideas during the electoral period. And that's what this is about. Because currently, if you look at the makeup of state parliaments and the federal parliament most of the minor parties are conservative reactionary groups obviously I'm not talking about the greens but most of the parties which are on the cross benches apart from a few reformist independents are reactionary groups and we've seen people with reactionary ideas and conservative ideas been able to organize Mobilise and influence the legislative agenda. But when it comes to people with radical ideas about redistribution of wealth and power, they are nowhere to be seen, anywhere, in any seat. So think about it. It's one thing sitting down and saying, well, somebody should do something about that, or you shrug your shoulders and you say... Oh, what's the point? What's the point? They always win. Well, that's what they want. They want people to be resigned to the fact that change will never occur. And if you're one of those people listening to this program who are resigned to that fact, I encourage you to join public interest before corporate interests because maybe, maybe, just maybe, the struggle for radical change is not over. I want you to think it is, but it's not. COVID-19 or no COVID-19. So if you want to join public interest before corporate interest, you can do it in a number of ways. You can go to the website, uh, pipsi.net, P-I-B-C-I.net, download an application form and join, or you can write to Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052, and we'll send you out a few application forms, or you can leave a message on 439 395-489. So it, it ain't over yet. The struggle to devolve power and share wealth will never be over. It's not over because a few, a few uh, uh, walls are put in our way. It is for the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Now, I've got some good news. Now, people think that all we do here in the anarchist world this week is do negative news. Well, I'm sorry, we, we talk about facts. I mean, if your world is based on alternative facts, now is the time to turn off. Now, on the 6th of September, some interesting legislation finally came through Parliament and, more importantly, an interesting... Um, something has been set up which has never been set up in this country before. We now have a no-fault indemnity vaccination scheme. That's right. A no-fault indemnity vaccination scheme as far as COVID-19 vaccination is concerned, AstraZeneca and uh, Pfizer. Now, everybody knows... That with AstraZeneca vaccination, there is an exceptionally small risk of developing vaccine-induced thrombocytopenia. That's a big word, isn't it? Vaccine-induced thrombocytopenia. What that means in plain English is we have a number of things in our blood which clot blood. So when you cut yourself, you clot, okay? If your blood is too thin, what happens is you bleed. And if you bleed into your brain, you get a stroke. If you bleed into your lungs, you can stop breathing. And the list goes on and on, okay? What happens with the AstraZeneca vaccine in an exceptionally small number of cases is that the platelets, which is an important part of the clotting process, are reduced dramatically dramatically and people start bruising and start getting pain, abdominal pain. Now, occasionally about one in a million die. About one in 150,000 have some long-term complications, okay? So what's now the federal government, after a lot of of huffy and puffy and pushing, it has introduced a no-fault indemnity vaccination scheme, both for AstraZeneca And Pfizer, because a lot of people don't realize it hasn't come to most public attention that the Pfizer injection also has side effects, side effects like myocarditis and pericarditis, which is a type of uh, cardiac, you get cardiac issues. And again, these are exceptionally rare. We're talking about, you know, one in 150,000 and the chances of dying are minimal. But the fact that this indemnity scheme means that anybody who has a vaccination, who develops a major complication or dies from the vaccination, there is an insurance scheme which is bankrolled by the federal government and it's at two levels. If you get better and you go back to work and you've lost some work time and, you know, there's a $20,000 limit where you just make an application, bring in the right medical certificates and bingo. If there are major complications, there's an independent panel which decides on the compensation level and there is no upper limit as there is in many countries to the uh, level. So it is there. So if, you, if you're if you hesitant about getting a vaccination because of the rare, very rare side effects, there is a mechanism by which you can become compensated and if the worst comes to the worst, if you're one of the 10 or 15 people that will... One of the 10, maybe 10, 12 people that will die, then your family will be compensated. I know it's a small, small thing. Now, there's only one problem with this no-fault indemnity scheme. We should have it for all vaccinations, but that's another story. But more importantly is the taxpayers' foot in this bill. Now, in Norway, which is a much more robust democracy than we ever have. The corporations which produce the vaccines pay a levy on each vaccine which is administered and that levy is then used to compensate people who have major side effects from vaccination. I think that's a much fairer scheme because it means the companies that are making a buck out of it actually Pay for the compensation. You're listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the community radio network. Now, I assume you all miss Father's Day on Sunday, but our beloved Prime Minister, Mr. Morrison, didn't. While families across New South Wales and Victoria found themselves in a situation where they couldn't celebrate Father's Day, where fathers couldn't see their adult children or children, if they were divorced or separated, and let's not forget that over 40% of couples are divorced or separated and have children, there was no possibility in hell of having that little Father's Day gathering. No possibility in hell. It's illegal. As far as the Chief Health Officer is concerned, in order to decrease the possibility of COVID-19, you know, getting out in the population. So, So you, me, everybody else listening to this program, most of us followed the rules, Okay, We follow the rules. But, but... Our beloved Prime Minister, Mr Morrison, showing a lack of judgment which he demonstrated when he went to a holiday in Hawaii at the midst of the fires which were ravaging the east coast of Australia. He decided to have his holidays. The leader of the country took a VIP jet from Canberra to Sydney and then got an exemption from the ACT government to return to Canberra. Nothing illegal, totally legal. And he did that so he could spend Father's Day with his kiddies. Now, I would have loved to have a jet take me to see my kiddies for Father's Day and take me back home and get an exemption. But it didn't happen. And I am sure there are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of fathers in this country especially those who are separated from their children, who usually use Father's Day as a day of you know, atonement, they would have loved to have had a jet pick them up and take them there and not have to worry about COVID-19 restrictions. And again, I think this highlights, it's not the fact that it's, illi- it's legal. what it highlights is the lack of, of judgment which has been demonstrated by this Prime Minister on multiple occasions, the lack of humanity from a man who professes to be a uh, Christian, the lack of humanity and judgment which is consistently shown by this man who is currently the Prime Minister of this country, who if things go according to plan will be rewarded for his behaviour by the Australian people by having the coalition government re-elected to the next federal election, which will occur as soon as we reach 80% vac- vaccination rates around this country. So is this the type of person who really doesn't seem to care about other people or doesn't seem to have the capacity to care or understand other people's situations. Is this the type of person you really want as a Prime Minister in this country? Think about it. You're listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Now, you may not know where this place is, but it's in West Africa. It's called Guinea, G-U-I-N-E-A. Now, there was a coup there earlier on this week. And the Australian mining corporations are spooked. They're all worried. And I'll tell you why. Because Australia is one of the major investors in Guinea. Not us, but these corporations which rob our natural resources and enrich themselves. Then use their billions of dollars to enrich themselves by robbing other countries' natural resources. And companies like Rio Tinto, Alcoa are there big time because Guinea has one of the biggest undeveloped iron ore deposits on the planet. And the Chinese government is very keen to develop Guinean iron ore deposits in order to decrease its dependency on Australian iron ore deposits. No wonder Twiggy Forest is worried. So nobody knows what's going to happen in Guinea regarding these moments. I assume they've raced out their bucket loads of cash attempting to bribe the coup leaders. Now, the interesting thing about this coup in Guinea, the coup was led by uh, sections of the military and it was held because the current president has been accused of corruption and accused of manipulating the Constitution so he could stand for a third term, and obviously he won that election. So although it's a nominal democracy, it's always been a democracy, a nominal democracy in name only. And obviously many of the companies that wish to exploit the mineral resources in Guinea, as we see in Papua New Guinea, pump money into the pockets of people in power in these countries, not to enrich the population at large, but to enrich corrupt rulers and leaders. I mean, that seems to be the reality time and time again. So I can understand, while major Australian companies are a bit concerned about the coup in Guinea. you listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. Now, sometimes I have a devilish sense of humour. I know you might find that hard to believe. A serious program like the Anarchist World this week... We try to dissect what's happening around it and, encourage, and more importantly, encourage you to get involved in activities to change the world, if not your own backyard. Well, we've had some great news in Victoria. Matthew African Gangs Guy is back as leader of the Liberal Party. That's right, the 31 members of the state Liberal Party, the parliamentary members, concerned about the lacklustre performance of Mr O'Brien have gone back to the man who led them to a drubbing at the last state election. Remember Mr Guy? and you know, He used to jump up and down about African gangs. People of Footscray couldn't even go to a restaurant. Mr Dutton jumped in on it. It was wonderful. Wonderful. Then we saw the, console, we saw the um, uh, Murdoch media jump onto it. And then the jocks in the commercial networks, radio networks and television. It was wonderful. It was beat an African gang member. Well, it didn't actually exist. But that's what it was about. So Matthew Guy is now leader of the Liberal Party. Now, I've got a devilish plan, which I'm not going to share with you but I will need a little bit of assistance and I can assure you it's totally legal. My devilish plan is totally legal. I wouldn't be talking about it on radio, would I? And it doesn't involve stalking. You can relax. Now, Mr. Guy Matthews, or Matthew Guy, whatever his name is, Guy Matthews, can't even remember his name. Guy Matthews, that's right. Mr. Guy Matthews. He is the member for Bulleen. Now, those of you who don't know the electorate of Bulleen, and maybe many of our listeners don't live in the electorate of Bulleen, and that in- involves the suburbs of, suburbs of Templestowe, lower Templestowe, and, obviously, Bulleen, you know, one of those upwardly mobile, middle-class suburbs... You know, near the green Green Eltham district in the Ivanhoe district and the Box Hill district in the Warrandyte district pleasant place to live at now if you live in the suburbs in the electorate I'm very very keen to hear from you because I have a devilish plan but I'll need your help to carry it out now it may cause Mr Guy Matthews a little bit of heartache at the next state election so if you live in that electorate, give me a buzz, leave you a message and I'll get back to you, now remember I don't answer the phone people ring and they never leave a message leave a message zero four three nine three nine five four eight nine. 395 489 or you can always uh, email me at info at pipsy dot net or at AnarchistAge at yahoo.com. That's anarchistage at yahoo.com. As I said at the beginning of the program, what these people hate is you raining on their parade. They're quite happy for you to throw stones at them in their tent because they'll shrug that off. But once you get in the tent, you can actually cause a little bit more damage than um, you may realise. So. You're listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Now, let's go back to these core values because I'm really interested in a nation's core values and core values are very important to all of us. They are exceptional. Now, most people, nation's core values are based on constitutional protections. I mean, the Constitution, theoretically, is the book that lays the rules which determines what type of legislation goes through Parliament. Now, because in Australia we have a federal constitution which essentially marks the relationship between the state governments and the federal government, which we've seen come into play during the COVID-19 pandemic, where different state governments have had different responses and continue to have an extraordinary amount of power over the people in their particular jurisdiction. So when we look at core values, we have to look at what's real and what isn't. And I want to go through these core values again. Now, at the beginning of the 20th century, yes, we've gone back a century and a bit. beginning of the 20th century, Australia was one of the most egalitarian communities on the planet. And it was one of the most dynamic communities on the planet. In terms of activity to improve people's lives. And during this period we saw concepts like public health, public education, public infrastructure, public essential services become central matters of debate. Not only debate but entered the legislative agenda And various organisations were set up by the state to provide protection for the individuals and for the community. And these were things like the Commonwealth Bank. And the Commonwealth Bank was established in 1911 and privatised in the mid-1980s, but it was established to allow ordinary people to get loans from banks because people couldn't get loans from banks before that. The Commonwealth Serum Laboratory was established, I think, in 1913, so that the state could provide vaccination for its citizens. Things like water and electricity and gas were owned by the state so that everybody could have access to them. And then we saw the growth of a trade union movement and the trade union movement was at the forefront of struggles not just to improve wages and conditions but actually to improve people's lives. And these were part of our core values. But since the beginning of the deregulation, privatisation, globalisation, corporatisation revolution that swept the world and Australia, we have seen the watering down, the dilution of, of these values we are one of the most unequal societies in the western world the concept of an egalitarian community has gone out the door even the concept of people actually having the same chances in life for many Australians as I've said before Life is a three legged race. Before you're born, your destiny is determined because wealth and power continues to reside in a shrinking minority. And that's what this anarchist world is all about. It's about highlighting the fact we don't have any core values worth fighting for. We don't have a democratic society. We don't have an egalitarian community. We don't have a community where the individual is protected from the arbitrary exercise of state power. And the list goes on and on. Everything that we have believed for so long is part and parcel of our core values as a nation is a lie. This country was based on a lie and it continues to peddle lies, although we are told we live in a society where there's freedom of speech, freedom of associations, freedom to get ahead, and the list goes on and on. And while the legislative agenda continues to be set by a small sexual society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication, we will find that nothing will change. Thank you for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. My name's Joseph Toscano. We've broached a number of subjects today. If you're interested in them, well and good. I can talk to the cows come home. Nothing will change unless you become involved. Obviously, during COVID-19, direct action becomes increasingly difficult. But it's very easy to join public interest before corporate interest. You don't even have to leave your home. That's right. You can download the application form right now from uh, PIBCI.net, P-I-B-C-I.net, lowercase. Now, a few uh, websites, anarchismedia.org, Facebook pages, Joseph Toscano, Toscano for the public, YouTube channel, public interest before corporate interest, and the list goes on and on. Phone number zero four three nine three nine five four eight nine. It ain't over yet. The struggle to devolve power and share wealth is a universal struggle that uh, crosses cultural barriers, racial barriers, gender barriers, sexual orientation barriers. It is the struggle that we ultimately are all part of. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. Courtesy of the Community Radio Network And if you're bored and listless During the COVID-19 lockdown If you live in New South Wales or Victoria And you're locked down Now's a great time to look at those websites Pipsi.net, anarchismedia.org Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World This week on your local community radio station Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer Death's construction An analysis you will never hear anywhere else. Anarchist Wall this week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10 a.m. every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist Wall this week for an up to date analysis of local, national, and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, Large So it's up to us, the people, we need a treaty in this country. We need the end to the war in this country. And the only way we can do that is through a peace treaty, not the one you see in Victoria, not the one you see in Queensland not the one you see in the Northern Territory, because they talk treaty and still lock our people up. They still kill our people. They still desecrate our land and our water. A treaty means peace. A treaty means equality. And a treaty means justice. Thank you. Subscribe to 3CR in 2021. Radical Radio. Subscribe today. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 94198377.